Greetings, and welcome to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series. Podcast episodes are available on vhha.com and on popular podcast hosting apps, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Podcast episodes also air each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, and 820 a.m. across Central Virginia. Send any questions, comments, or feedback to pcfpodcast at vhha.com. That's pcfpodcast at vhha.com. Today, we're excited to be joined by Jereen Fleming, the state breastfeeding coordinator for the Virginia Department of Health's Office of Family Health Services, for a conversation about breastfeeding awareness and related topics. To introduce you a bit more to listeners, can you tell us a little bit about your professional journey, how you came to be Virginia's state breastfeeding coordinator, and what you find so rewarding about that work? Sure. I've always had an interest in, in nutrition and health. That's just, I've been a, a nutrition geek for lots of years. But however, working in human services was really a midlife career change shift for me. I volunteered for a number of years as a La Leche League leader. That's an organization that provides mother-to-mother uh, breastfeeding support. And then I got certified as a lactation counselor. And I realized there was a great need for community-based professional lactation support. So I prepared to become an international board-certified lactation consultant while I was working at a home visiting program at the University of Miami in Florida. So when the prospect to return to my home state of Virginia as the state breastfeeding coordinator was presented, it seemed like a perfect fit for me, really my dream job. I thought it would give me an opportunity to incorporate lessons I'd learned from my best teachers, the clients and families that I've served, into policies and practice, you know, basically bring a my real-world, grassroots, community-based experience into an arena um, where I could have, you know, a, a bigger impact. So what could be more rewarding you know, than helping to assure babies get the best start in life by increasing access to human milk? So I find that to be very rewarding. And coordinating across many different community organizations and even divisions within the health department, I'm a natural-born collaborator, so I find that very rewarding as well. That is awesome. I love that answer. And, you know, I love hearing stories where it just kind of seems like life leads you to certain directions, you know. Yes, very much. Life leads you. (laughs) I love that. Do you wish you could focus on practicing medicine without all the distractions? Covaris is here to help. As a leader in medical professional liability insurance with more than 45 years experience, Covaris provides insurance protection with data-driven predictive modeling to help you mitigate the risk of claims. By combining insurance protection with risk analytic services, you can reduce distractions and focus on improving clinical, operational, and financial outcomes. Covaris is reinventing what you should expect from your medical professional liability provider. Find out all Covaris can offer you at Covaris.com. That's C-O-V-E-R-Y-S.com. Insurance products issued by Medical Professional Mutual Insurance Company and its insurance subsidiaries, Boston, Massachusetts. We're recording this in late August, which happens to be Breastfeeding Awareness Month. The importance of breastfeeding for the physical, emotional, and overall health of children is well established. Yet debate about breastfeeding versus formula continues. Can you tell us about ongoing efforts in Virginia to raise breastfeeding awareness and promote breastfeeding? I would say the centerpiece of our awareness 
effort is the governor's proclamation. And that can be found on the BDH breastfeeding page website, as well as the governor's site, of course. Virginia's governors have issued a breastfeeding awareness proclamation since 2004. Additionally, we really focus, we realize that human milk feeding is an important strategy in our call to action. Um, You may be familiar with Virginia's plan for well-being. That document serves as an outline, basically a template to coordinate evidence-based strategies and practices for multiple systems. So, We've also created a recognition program for hospitals that adopt the 10 steps to successful breastfeeding. That is a broad framework, many of you should be familiar with it, that guides the uh, baby-friendly hospital initiative. Now to support that effort, VDH provides uh, grants to offset the cost of baby-friendly training for Virginia providers and organizations. Uh, The health department has also instituted breastfeeding-friendly workplace and early care award program. We've conducted a five-year maternity care quality improvement collaborative to provide technical assistance to hospitals with a labor and delivery unit. Within Virginia WIC, and that's where I am housed in the Division of Community Nutrition here within the Office of Family Health Services, I have really focused on increasing our breastfeeding expertise. I'm sure you're familiar with this term, food desert. Mm-hmm. Well, human milk as the first food, they're also first food deserts. So I see the Women, Infant, and Children program as the oasis for people to find, come and find uh, help. So I've really worked on increasing our breastfeeding expertise within Virginia WIC. And so now all of our breastfeeding coordinators have a lactation credential. Over the years, We've worked with community partners to create and display images to normalize breastfeeding. And again, we focus on educating providers and the general public about workplace rights and responsibilities that are provided by state and uh, federal law. You've kind of touched on this, but how would you say that that work fits into the broader statewide initiative to reduce maternal mortality? particularly among people of color who continue to have disproportionately higher rates of harmful health outcomes attributable to factors including legacy health disparities? Well, breastfeeding is one of the most effective ways to ensure child health and survival. Now, as for maternal mortality, three of the top five legacy, as you say, causes of death in the Black community, heart disease, diabetes and hypertension-related disease are all positively influenced by breastfeeding. So breast or or more recent term body feeding uh, lowers the risk of premenopausal breast cancer, ovarian cancer, type 2 diabetes, postpartum hemorrhage, and obesity in the lactating parent. Additionally, it lowers health care costs and it's convenient. You know, I really like the term indigenous milk medicine. Exclusive extended breastfeeding has an intergenerational impact. So the breastfed baby has the best chance at experiencing lifelong optimal health. Breastfeeding is a big commitment, um, and families, employers, and communities each play a vital role in informing and supporting the decision to breastfeed a baby. If you would, can you share your observations about the evolution of public policy, workplace standards, and attitudes on the issues of breastfeeding and the practical effects of that for families and individuals? 
I like that word evolution. Mm-hmm. It, it really has been just that. Initially, families with an understanding of the health and well-being benefits of breastfeeding sought assistance from peer-to-peer support groups like the one I mentioned earlier, the La Leche League, and other informal circles of friends and family who provided education and support. However, many Americans were unaware of those resources. I would say the first food movement began in earnest with the 2010 federal break time for nursing mothers legislation. That required employers to provide reasonable break time for uh, workers to express milk during the work period. And then that was quickly followed in 2011 by the Surgeon General's call to action to support breastfeeding. And that was pivotal. Through federal and state legislation, more and more barriers are being dismantled. Uh, Legislation has steadily been enacted to support families uh, to reach their goals, to provide human milk for the length of time recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics and others, World Health Organization, a minimum of six months of exclusive breastfeeding, um, followed by up to at least a year and beyond of continued human milk feeding as complementary foods are are introduced. So I wanted to mention in the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists has a great breastfeeding toolkit that provides a a broad range of breastfeeding resources, including clinical guidance, educational materials, and more. Additionally, the warm chain of support for breastfeeding that was created by the World Alliance for Breastfeeding Action, that campaign strives to link different actors across the health community and workplace sectors to provide a continuum of care uh, during the first 1,000 days. So they have free information cards for different stakeholders to help coordinate that effort at all levels to care for the mother-baby dyad. I think it's so important, you know, for community organizations, stakeholders, just everybody across the board to come together. Um, and I always think it's really inspiring to hear about efforts like that um, that are just providing resources to really uh, support mothers. Mm-hmm. It's not a solo act, you know, sure. like the mother, the mother baby dyad, they're in the center, but then they're surrounded by family, by their providers, by community organizations, by their workplace, by, you know, state and government policy and probably, you know, it just goes on and on. So really connecting the dots so that we can all see what our role <laughs> is in supporting that, you know, it takes a village, as they say. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. Um, Now that we've tackled the formal questions, I do have a few more lighthearted ones to give listeners a bit of a sense of who you are beyond the work you currently do. So first, I've read that you've previously done film and television work. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. I freelanced for years and I really worked my way up. I was, I've been a production assistant, a production coordinator, assistant director on projects ranging from commercials to music videos to feature lease films. I ended my production career with a seven year stint as a production executive with Tim Reed Productions at New Millennium Studios. And that was a full service studio um, based here in Virginia in Petersburg. Very cool. Next, and this is an entirely imaginary premise, but in the hypothetical scenario that you could anticipate your final day on Earth, what would your last meal be? Well, you know, I'm heavily influenced by my years in Miami. Uh, It would be a mango salsa with cilantro and lime with maybe mahi-mahi or tuna steak 
with kale and sesame on the side or maybe Indian food. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds delicious, both of those options. (laughs) And finally, if you were stranded on a deserted island, what one book, one album, and one movie would you take to keep yourself company? We will spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice. So other than that, what are your three entertainment survival picks? Well, the movie choice is the easiest. Daughters of the Dust by director Julie Dash. I just saw it again at the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts after 20 years, Mm -hmm. and it is still my favorite film. I highly recommend it. What they got out there, Eddie Wyola? Life, child, the beginning of a new life. The album would be Le Soleil et la Vie by Cedric Watson. My thoughts and prayers go out today to the people in coastal Louisiana who are once again facing a tremendous hurricane. But that is Louisiana music, which is one of my favorites. And, but the book would have to be some type of survival guide. So <laughs> if I'm on a deserted island, I, I would need something like how to catch, prepare, and um, you know, smoke fish or <laughs> how, to su- how to survive on a deserted island. That's what the book would be. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yes, I completely agree with you on the book. Thank you so, so much for being on our podcast and speaking with us. Well, thank you so much for the invitation. I am always happy um, to have an opportunity to talk with people, particularly providers who are so important to our families that are seeking to provide human milk for their babies. So thanks for the invite. I'd be happy to come back anytime. Thank you so much and have a good day. You too. You too.